Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. We love sharing news from our sponsor, Healing Inside Acupuncture and Holistic Medicine on Grand Avenue in St. Paul, Minnesota. Owner Senya May and her team of practitioners are here to help you, especially when it comes to the health concerns that are unique to us women. At Healing Insight, women's health is a huge priority. They're helping women who think they just have to live with things like painful periods, PMS and PMDD, endometriosis and fibroids. Women like Beth, who shared this testimonial. She said, I had such bad cramps that I was suffering with PMS for three weeks out of the month and my moods were all over the place. The practitioners at Healing Insight worked their magic with acupuncture and herbs. I feel like a much better version of myself again. Senya says many of her patients are like Beth who think being on the birth control permanently is the only way to solve their hormonal issues and Senya says that's just not true. Healing Insight's holistic approach can rebalance your hormones naturally so you're not struggling with your cycle every month. And Healing Insight practitioner Nikki Ballian was also just officially certified as a fertility specialist by the American Board of Oriental Reproductive Medicine. She's one of only nine practitioners to have this certification in the whole state of Minnesota. Listen to the episodes of Best of the Nest featuring Senya, number 25, simply titled Anxiety, and episode 113, where we talk about coping with the COVID-19 global pandemic. Visit HealingInsightOnline.com. That's HealingInsightOnline.com to find out more about Senya and her team. I'm Marjorie Punnett. I'm Elizabeth Reese. This is Best to the Nest, the podcast that's all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. Good morning, Elizabeth. Well, hello, Marjorie. I've got a cup of coffee on a fine day, and I'm excited to chat with you. And I love that we're jumping off of an article that inspired you that yes. is actually about a friend of mine. I know. We're calling this episode <laughs> Beacon Babies, and you can explain why. So Beacon Babies. So you sent me this note the other day, which is about Carson Daly, who, of course, is one of the co-anchors on the Today Show. And the headline here from today.com is how Carson Daly's newborn is helping him cope with anxiety in quarantine. And then the little sub headline says newborn Goldie Patricia has been a bright spot for Carson Daly and his family during quarantine. Okay, so Carson Daly happens to be married to a lovely woman named Siri Daly, formerly Siri Pinter. And Siri uh, is a friend of mine from college. So we were in the same sorority in college, and she grew up in a suburb just next to mine in the Twin Cities. So we did a lot of commuting back and forth to <laughs> Madison together. Siri is a really accomplished food blogger and cookbook author. And when she came out with her cookbook, she did a book tour, and so she got to come on Twin Cities Live, and we did a segment, a cooking segment with her. And she and was on our show, too, and she was delightful. She's I mean, been she's on My Talk 107.1 with us. Yes, she is wonderful. So Siri and Carson have four children, and it's kind of funny <laughs> because we were actually supposed to be at our mutual really close friend's 
bachelorette party and wedding this spring and summer oh. all together. And Siri was like, I'm going to have to bring the newborn because she was pregnant oh. with this baby. <laughs> And then, of course, because of COVID, everything was postponed. And so we're doing all of those wedding celebrations for our friend Ingrid next summer. But that being said, in the meantime and in the pandemic, I have been following Siri closely because she gave birth to their fourth child, little Goldie, who is now nine weeks old. And here's what Carson, her husband, had to say about it to People Magazine. He said, one minute you feel comfortable and thankful to God that you're with your kids and that you're healthy. And then the next minute you hear this is going to go on for three more months and you have a small panic attack. But Goldie has been a bright spot. And he's talked a lot about he's been really open about his anxiety and kind of how he struggled with that since childhood and then how the lack of structure and uncertainty in quarantine has made him feel overwhelmed which I think plenty of people yeah can relate to and but he said that having this baby in the picture it's really helped him find the structure that he needs and he said it's fun to be able to wake up and not be like oh my god my life's upside down but to hold the newborn instead. So I love that you found this and and were just kind of struck by those words well, and referring to a baby as a beacon of hope. Yeah, and he he mentioned at the end of the article that the baby as you said was a beacon of hope to all of the neighbors and all of their friends. There was a little celebration out on the street when Siri and Carson came home with Goldie who they call Gogo, oh. which is just like <laughs> beyond cute. Um and I just I have to say and I'll just confess it here Elizabeth when you told me that you were pregnant and then the pandemic hit and all of that I am I find myself, and I've really worked at this, to be a worrier. And I I have been inspired by your strength and your ability to just sort of look forward and to just – and I know it hasn't been easy. And I just, I just admire that so much that I think instead of going to what Carson refers to also in that article, he talks about catastrophic thinking where mm-hmm. you could just always go to the worst place. I've just been inspired by your ability to just be happy about the fact that you're bringing this new baby in. And not only that, what also is inspiring is your whole family. You have two sisters. All of you are pregnant at the same time, which I just think that's such a huge that's such a huge moment for your family and for your mom and for your dad and for all of your in-laws to be having and bringing these babies in to the world in such a difficult time but to bring them in with such joy and i don't know your sisters but give everybody an update on what's been happening in your family well now i'm the only one left standing who's pregnant because <laughs> The other babies have been born and, and it's been interesting because the birth stories are so different and, right. and the care is so different. So my, my middle sister, Katie, gave birth to little Arthur. He's, his name Arthur. is Artie. <laughs> little Artie. He's so cute. Gosh, Artie's a month old already now and a little bit older than that, actually now five weeks. And Aww. she has had C-sections. So this was her, she had a C-section with him. This was her fourth. And she, everything went really well and really smoothly. Good. And then of course, my youngest sister was expecting her first baby and she just had the baby earlier this week and his oh. name is little Cole, Cole Francis. And for her, she ended up having 
a super long labor, three and a half hours of pushing and no drugs, no drugs. Oh my. And then you're going to find me who promptly starts discussing the epidural as soon as we arrive. So that's how I roll when it comes to giving birth. But they're, they're, everybody's happy and healthy. But there was definitely a lot of uncertainty. You know, no visitors in the hospital. So right. these are the first births I have other nieces and nephews who I've all visited in the hospital. Right. And But my, my sister said it, there was something kind of nice about that, that it was just them together in the hospital. It wasn't like fielding visitors. We were driving dropping off food and things like right. that. But do they allow just the drop husbands it off. in to stay or just for the The husbands birth? are allowed in to stay. Yeah, oh, that's wow. how it was for us. And and so the husbands are allowed in and they could stay. That's good. But, and they can even they can come and go, I think too. For a while it was like husbands, if you were gonna be in there, you had the partner had to go in and then couldn't leave. Right. They were just in the hospital room. Well, with Carson and Siri, he said in the article that he could only come for the birth and then he right. had to go. So, right. Because that was in New my, York. That was in New York, so it was different. My sister Jenny was able to have her doula there too. She hired a doula wow. and for a little while. It was, they weren't even allowing doulas in. And then I know there were a lot of groups that really lobbied for support for mothers. And right. it's kind of an interesting perspective because I think for Jenny, my youngest sister, you know, this was her first child. So she didn't know what to expect, which I guess can be good and bad, right? right. I mean, because it can be good because you don't have any past experience to compare it to. But at the same time, I think there's just added fear because you don't know what your body can do, do. until your body does it. And yeah. so it, you have a little bit more of a, I think in that first birth, more of a reliance on the team around you and the setup around you to kind of guide you through it versus then in subsequent births, you're sort of like, oh, I know what that feels like. I know how that goes. And even though they're all very different experiences, you still know at least what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for my first, I had, like you said, I mean, that's, that's put really well is I had no idea what my body could do. And what I found out is that my body can do nothing. I was not, I was not built for birthing babies. And oh. so it was, which is fine. I mean, they both are healthy and good, but I had two C-sections. It's interesting when you think about that first I loved, I really loved, after the first three months, I was sick for like three months, just oh. sick all the time. And then after that, I felt fabulous. And I loved being, I really didn't, I loved being pregnant. And I, because I didn't mind, I think sometimes women mind the weight gain. I didn't. I just thought it was really fun and I ate a lot. So that was really fun. <laughs> Hi, Nesters. We take a moment to pause and share some really valuable information from our sponsor, Exercise 180. When you become a member of Annalisha Nimala's Exercise 180 online community, one amazing thing you gain access to is Annalisha's E180 digital course. Christina from St. Paul says this about her experience of going through the course. Annalisha's Exercise 180 course will help you rediscover what matters to you and how you hold the keys to your health, happiness, and destiny. It will help you Start living a healthier, happier, more inspired life now. It is so far apart from where typical health programs go. It's like she's light years into the future. Please, please, if you have a daughter, niece, cousin, or anyone in your life, including yourself, who struggles with body positivity and health issues, you cannot do yourself a better service than to go through the Exercise 180 course. It's probably the best thing I did for myself in 10 years or more. I would absolutely recommend the course to others. It's life-changing and life-affirming. It's far 
exceeded my expectations. It was so much better than I imagined it would be. Boy, how's that for a good review? Right now, you can take advantage of an exclusive E180 coupon code just for Best to the Nest listeners. Go to exercise180.com forward slash join dash now and use the code BTTN in all caps at checkout to save $100 on your E180 membership. But you got to hurry. This code is only valid through September 7th, 2020. Again, that's exercise180.com slash join dash now. And go back to episodes 92 and 143 of Best to the Nest to get a taste of Annalisha's groundbreaking philosophies on healthy living. I had my first baby, Elizabeth. I had Gar in Nashville. Yeah. And so, and this is 1991. And I look back now and it was such a great birthing experience because I was in this great hospital and it was the hospital where a lot of the country stars had their babies just by coincidence. So they were kind of, I think, really used to it. I may just be making this up, but it seemed like they were used to, or maybe it was just a Southern thing, taking really good care of the mothers. Yeah. And so when I was there, I walked in, Ian always teases me and I had like a little bit of pain. Ooh, ooh, I'm in a little pain. Epidural. Like yeah. right away, epidural. And then the cool thing was, and I think I told you the story before, but if people haven't heard it, this will blow people's minds. So I had Gar. He ended up being an emergency C-section. So I tried, but nothing was happening. Right. And so he was an emergency C, and the doctor was wonderful. I had a great um, OBGYN. But afterward, I got to stay three or four days. Unbelievable. In the hospital with the C-section. Here's the most unbelievable part. The tradition at this hospital was that they would, the final night, they would serve you a dinner by candlelight. I I can't even have a conversation about this. (laughs) This is unreal. So you could order like what you wanted your dinner to be. So we had a steak dinner. Of course. And they would ask you, would you like the baby in the room or not with you? And we chose to have Gar in the room with us. And so, and also we chose they, that insurance would pay up until midnight that night. So we chose to have the dinner at like 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. And then we had the dinner and then left that night. So we were like in the hospital to the very last minute. And they loved it. The nurses were lovely. So they bring in the dinner. And Elizabeth, I have to find it. We have a picture of Gar in that little like hospital bassinet, you know, the little sort of plastic glass thing so you can see For the sure. baby. So yeah. we have a picture of Gar through the candlelight in the hospital room. Oh, gosh. It just doesn't blow your mind. I mean, it was like it, a it different It totally day. blows my mind. And it, when I was talking to my mom about this yesterday, she it was funny because that conversation came up and she said, I think that we had it way better than you. When it came to giving birth in a hospital, because she was like, we stayed for like three nights. Oh, yeah. And then at least, and I was born in 1981, so 10 years before that. So I think you were like at the tail end of the golden years of giving birth. I I think I was. It was, and she said the same thing. I mean, that it was so, she was so cared for, that it was multiple nights, and that you were really, it was prioritized for the mother to get some rest. Yes. And so it was this idea of like, we'll take the baby and then bring the baby back to nurse and bring the baby back because you need to rest and recuperate because then you're going to go home 
and you have to take care of the baby where then I think we flipped the switch where like, oh my gosh, of course you don't. I mean, they don't encourage you to to take the baby out of your room. And actually at the hospital where my sister just gave birth, the nursery wasn't even open because of COVID. COVID, So you can't even send the baby out of your room. And so my sister got, I think like two hours of sleep, I think the whole time she's at the hospital. And so then she came home. My mom ends up staying overnight with her to try to like do a night nurse thing to try to help her get on track because my sister's baby was born at 4.20 in the morning. And anyone who's had, I mean, I had a 3 a.m. birth and they are brutal because you are so, then you don't get moved to a recovery room until a couple of hours after that. It's like a complete wreck. And, And even I found it so funny that in birthing centers, so where I have a baby, it's like a very modern, beautiful birthing center within the hospital. And it's gorgeous, but there's still no priority for a place for the partner to sleep. It's like this weird plastic couch that they sleep on. And I brought extra blankets and pillows for Jay because I was like, somebody's got to be getting some sleep here because we're going to go home with this baby and we can't just both be exhausted. It's, It's like a very odd... It's, way of looking at giving birth. It's now. such a disconnect that the rights that women had when they had babies in hospitals has gone backwards instead of right. forwards the more that we know. I mean, my mom said when she had me, so I was the fourth of four girls that my mom had in five years. So let's talk about tired. That's And insane. so the doctor, she told me that with me, the doctor, like they let her stay even more days right? because they knew she was going home to three other babies. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's just, I just think it, if you looked at the cost benefit ratio, I can't believe that it would work out better for women to go home with a little more sleep, a little bit sort of more mothering under their belt. Because also when you're in the hospital, you can ask questions. I but, know. But even between when you said that I was probably on the tail end, I know I was because I had my first in 1991 and my second in 1993. And Campbell was a completely different experience. Oh, and gosh. Campbell was a C-section too. But so much so, and I had Campbell in Chicago, but so much so that I remember being in the hospital and where I'd had this really gentle experience with Gar, with Campbell, he was in the room with me and I would finally get him sort of quiet, would have been breastfeeding and then quiet. And the nurses would just come out and turn on the lights. And it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, there was such a different attitude about, yep, this we got to get, we got to do this. We got to do that. We got to do it. And they were so, it's not that they were unkind because I feel for nurses, it was just a different sort of attitude. Like this Mm -hmm. is got to get these things done. Got to go, got to go, got to go. And I was in and out. I mean, I was just the, probably the, whatever the stay was for C-sections by 1993 in Chicago, I was in and out. And this is when I was going home to, I had a two-year-old. Yeah. And it definitely depends on places where you give birth. I mean, my Twin Cities Live co-host talks about their birthing experience with their first, which was in California and is some hospital in LA and I can't remember which one. And they didn't even have their own room. It was, there was another parent set in the other on the other side of the curtain and Steve couldn't stay overnight so there was a c-section she his wife had a c-section with her first baby and then visiting hours are over and they're like peace out he's got to go wow (laughs) and she's in this 
curtain room with another woman next to her with another baby in there. Oh, I mean, it's gosh. like, what is happening yeah. here? What is going on? And I also think just one thing I hope happens from this slowdown is a real, you know, I think we're all identifying ways that family needs to be prioritized right. above work in a lot of realms of our life. That America has just lost its soul a little bit when it comes to what is most important. And and just like we talk about on Best to the Nest all the time, if you're struggling at home and you're struggling with your family, it's very difficult to be the best you can be when you're outside and when you're at your job. Right. It's just difficult. Like we have to prioritize home in order to actually be better and more efficient at work. And, and I hope that that is going to spill over into care for new mothers and particularly postpartum care. Because the way that we look at going back to work and going back immediately, like if you're lucky, you get 12 weeks. I mean, that isn't the the minority of people in this country that get 12 weeks off. And then you're just expected to be back and be completely normal, which, I mean, guys, like you're practically still wearing mesh underwear at that point. I mean, I don't even know what to tell you. And as we're talking about this, this tiny human that I have is just like bopping around, which by the way, the baby last night from about three to 5 a.m. was just like, there must have been some sort of club party going on because it was just, I could not sleep at all because it was nonstop. Hi, tiny human. This is Marjorie. You're going to know me so well. (laughs) I just always believe that because Bernie heard my voice the whole time uh, she was in utero. Franklin's the one I missed, but I like that this baby's been hearing my voice as well. (laughs) That is so true. Yes, I know. And that's true. That's why my kids have been singing to the baby and talking to the baby. Maybe. And I will say as much as like this was this was not a planned thing for us. We right. weren't like, okay, we're going to have a third baby and we're going to this is how we're going to do it. It was it was like an unexpected surprise. And right. and and then there have been times when it's felt a little bit like, oh, my gosh. And then on top of everything else, it's a lot. I'm having a baby. You know, it's felt like a lot. But I do think there's something about bringing children into the world that for me at least have really become the great prioritizer. Right. And, and that's been a real gift. It's just been easier for me to figure out how to say yes and how to say no and what things to do and what things not to do and what to advocate for myself for, because it's not just about me. It's just about, this is how I, this is my life with kids. And I think that's some of the wisdom, Marjorie, that comes from also having kids at a little bit of a later age. Yeah. They label everything geriatric pregnancy, but there are some silver linings to that. Well, it, it is. And I think, as I've said before, they are, if you allow them to be, if you if you really allow them to be, you can reorder your life in a way, or at least try to reorder your life in a way that makes family life seem like the right life as opposed mm-hmm. to the stressor. And I think if anything comes out of the pandemic, that's what I'm hoping comes out of it is that companies understand that work gets done when people are remote, which will open up so many avenues for women to maybe find a better work-life balance. And I think there was a there was a resistance for so many years, and I think it was changing, but not exponentially, about companies feeling like things could go on if 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 employees were at home. And yeah. I, I think there's going to be a real 
shift in mentality after this, because I honestly think a lot of people are going to have trouble going back to work every Mm -hmm. single day when they know they don't need to. Right. And I think that the idea of flex time, which at least in my business, and I think for you too, flex time was not the norm. I think flex time, if it isn't going to become the norm, it should be. Because just think of the work balance that that would give men and women to be able to handle their families in a different way without the kind of stressors. Now they'll seem like false stressors that we had before. And so I I think there's going to be – I will tell you, so I'm staying at my mother's in Chicago – and I woke up this morning and she lives on a beach. So we, she lives in a high rise. So I woke up this morning and she has a little balcony and I went out to the balcony sort of as the sun was rising and it was just beautiful. And oh, I you're just, like looking at Lake Michigan. I yeah, mean, it's, that's it's the best. It's gorgeous. And so I went out there and she's literally right on the beach. And so I, you could, I could be on an ocean for all, doesn't make a difference. Oh, and lakes are an ocean. This morning I saw so many people out there with their dogs and the dogs were just running back and forth and then (laughs) running into the water. And I thought, I don't know what this looks like when there isn't a pandemic, but in my imagination, this morning was easy for those people because they didn't have a commute this morning. Mm -hmm. And I just think if we could just take all of the lessons that we're learning of just that little bit of time that we get back, just that little bit of freedom that we get back to be with our families or to be with our dogs or to take a moment, then maybe there'll be that little blessing out of the pandemic. I still know many people are grieving for the people that they lost, but I still think it's okay to look at the beacons of hope like babies like yes. babies in the middle of all of this. Oh, so. I think that's so sweet, Marjorie. So we'll send all of our love to the Daly family and Goldie yes. and then to everybody who is welcoming little new ones in. And I think the way that Carson talked about just how you can you can look at things as an added stressor or you can look at it as yes. a beacon of hope. And um, it, that was a beautiful beautiful little testimonial to read. And I'll tell you, I mean, Siri is a champ. She's a champ mama of four. You know, there's a difference when you have four children, Marjorie. When you tell people (laughs) you have three, they go, oh, they're like, oh, that's great. When you tell people you have four, they go, oh. (laughs) Well, my theory is, is that Two, you have a hand for each of them. That's true. Once you jump up to three and four, it becomes a wild card. <laughs> that is very true. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, we got seven weeks to go on this one, and we'll just be keeping you posted, you guys. Uh, if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcast and give us a little review at Apple Podcasts. We got a really nice review from Prairie ID. This is really sweet, Marjorie. I love that you pulled this one. It says, thank you, Marjorie and Elizabeth. So first we say, you're welcome. Yes. And then she says, I so appreciate the love and authenticity you fold into every podcast episode. You cover a wide span of issues and topics with grace and wisdom. I look forward to every podcast. Prairie, we look forward to every podcast, too. I'm so happy. We do. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest or go to bestofthenest.com to subscribe to our newsletter. We are the podcast that brings you home. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher 
And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.